All right, this opening is going to be unscripted, so feel free to skip ahead about a minute or so to get to the actual rewrite. Uh, I want to do this because adventure movies are sort of the movies that got me into movies. I used to watch Indiana Jones all the time as a kid and was very, very obsessed to the point where I made an entire board game for the movie Temple of Doom in the third grade as a school project. It totally went above and beyond and was great, uh, but I'm sure if I actually played it now, it would suck. The point is, I'm really passionate about these types of movies, and it's probably my favorite overall genre. So I feel as if uh, I would like to be able to do these kinds of movies justice. Anyway, uh, enough of that. Let me get back into the actual reason that this video exists, fixing Uncharted. As discussed in part one, this is where I'll be putting my money where my mouth is. I change moments, character arcs, and sequences in the Uncharted movie in order to improve upon it and create something better with the benefit of hindsight. My restrictions are that the plot has to be generally the same, and I have to hit most of the beats or moments that I am reasonably sure Sony required to occur in the movie. Those moments would be, from my understanding, Nate and Sam's origin and separation, Nate and Sully's auction house heist, Nate and Chloe's first meeting, Nate's puzzle-solving escapades in Barcelona, at least one double cross from someone Nate trusts, Nate and Sully having a temporary falling out, the plane sequence for stunts, the uncovering of Magellan's lost ships and their billions in gold, and finally, the final showdown on said airlifted ships of Magellan. As long as I reach those beats and use the same characters in doing so, I fully believe this is a movie that could have been made and would have been a more complete version of the original that has significant improvements. The film opens in much the same way, Nate in a gigantically shitty situation dangling from the outside of a plane, having to fight his way back on board. I actually love the opening shot of the movie, so that specifically will stay as well. We start on Nate's ring and slowly pull out to reveal he is caught in the cargo netting of a crate thousands of feet in the air. Nate gets back aboard the plane after much struggling, only to be knocked out of the plane for good by a fancy red Mercedes-Benz. We cut away completely. Nate is now a kid, maybe 10 years old, being helped in through a window of a building by another kid a bit older than he is, his older brother Sam. This is the first time Sam has brought Nate along on one of his adventures. A nervous Nate isn't sure if he'll be able to do his part of the job. To calm his younger brother's nerves, Sam gives him his lucky necklace, complete with a ring on it, inscribed to say, Sic Parvus Magna, which translates from Latin to Greatness from Small Beginnings. Sam recounts the plan. Nate is to retrieve a map from the World Exploration Exhibit while Sam gets a journal from the Magellan Room. Finishing their heist, Sam stuffs the items into his bag and they start their escape. Things seem to be going off without a hitch. On the roof, the two talk about exploring the world together. Nate reflects on the necklace his brother had just given him, and Sam tells him the ring belonged to Sir Francis Drake, a famous explorer. Nate considers this, wondering what it would be like if Francis Drake was their father, how they could have seen the world and be remembered for their achievements. Sam says, why not? Better than not having a name, right? Nate agrees, and they decide to adopt the name as their own. They are unofficially, officially, Nathan Drake and Sam Drake. Later that night, as they sleep, the orphanage is raided by police who track some museum thieves down. Finding the stolen items in Sam's backpack, the officers take him in. Sam swears he acted alone, and Nate is forced to watch his brother be taken away, this being the last time he sees him. Nate has only the necklace to remember Sam by. Years later, Nate is fully grown, finding himself in New York City, scouting out a temporary exhibit in a museum. An exhibit of exploration, he sees the map he was tasked with recovering alongside Sam a decade ago. While visiting, a sly man in the background sporting a Hawaiian shirt and a thick mustache is keeping a close eye on Nate. Later that night, Nate finishes up his shift as a bartender, having just served a last call whiskey on the rocks to someone. He leaves from work, immediately heading to the now-closed exhibit. Nate breaks in after the map. Now a pro, he's in in no time and has the map out of its casing before you can think. 
only he finds someone else is there as well, the man from earlier, introducing himself as Victor Sullivan. Confrontational, Nate says he's only there for the map and Magellan's notebook, and that they can each walk away just fine. Sully says that he's here for the map as well, but couldn't care for the notebook in the exhibit. Nate remarks that he'd need both to find Magellan's lost gold. Sully then reveals that the exhibit's book is a fake. He stole the real one years ago and swapped it out with an imitation. Curators don't actually read that garbage. Sully pulls the real notebook out of a bag that he has with him, wagging it to Nate as proof. Nate immediately lunges for it, and in their struggle they trip the museum alarms. They stop their fighting, and Sully helps Nate escape. They retreat safely to Sully's safe house, and Nate introduces himself. Sully informs Nate that he had spent the past few years working with his brother Sam, trying to get that map. He offers a partnership with Nate, saying they can finish what his brother started. Nate agrees, and that they will split their findings 50-50. Next, they'll need the cross from the trailer, which is one that was used by Magellan's crew. The two plan out their heist, and it goes mostly the same as it did in the film, less the training montage. Nate meets their antagonist, Moncada, and Moncada mentions how he's been tracking down the sister cross for a while, and is excited to finally have it in his reach. Nate also meets Moncada's muscle, Joe Braddock. She is a hired special forces agent with her own enforcers. She threatens Nate, saying he should not be working with Sully after what happened to his brother Sam. Nate brushes it off as an intimidation tactic, and pulls off the heist, letting Sully grab the cross. The duo escape, Sully now saying they have to meet up with his contact in Barcelona, who should have recently acquired the second cross from Moncada's estate, the one that belonged to Magellan himself. In Barcelona, they meet up with Chloe Fraser, an archaeological consultant for the Moncada team that is moonlighting as Sully's inside woman. She emphasizes that they keep things low-key, as she cannot be seen by Moncada's men with Sully and Nate, or else she'll be made. She keeps herself low-profile throughout. The three then search the city and locate a church referenced in Magellan's journal. This is where the two crosses become a pair of keys used to progress through various puzzles and traps laid by Magellan's crew to conceal their gold. Meanwhile, Joe Braddock has been tracking Sully since the auction, where they stole the first cross. She informs Moncada of the church and the duo's new mystery partner, suggesting they continue to tail the group and allow them to do the heavy lifting. They can wait until the opportune moment to intervene and grab the treasure. Moncada won't accept this, feeling a desire to solve the mystery and recover the treasure himself. He talks about his family legacy and influence over Spain, and how he needs to preserve that by being the one to make this huge discovery. He orders Braddock and her men to ambush Sully and Nate when they return to the church next time. That night, as they prepare at Chloe's safe house, Chloe gets a phone call. It's from Braddock, saying that their tailing operation is a bust. Braddock says to lure Sully and Nate to the church that night, and to keep her head low. Chloe, apparently, seems to be a triple agent. As Nate and Sully are ready to go, Chloe leads them to the church as instructed. However, upon drawing near, she is cryptic, forcing the group to enter through the sewers so as to avoid being seen by anyone. We understand that she is trying to keep Nate and Sully safe, and wants to remain on their side. They reach a divide in the catacombs, and need to split up. The group enables location sharing for one another at the request of Chloe, so that they can keep up with the other part of the team when they split. Nate has to help old man Sully with his technology, and it's kinda cute. Beneath the church, Chloe and Nate solve the puzzles, and discover a route to a secret room. Along his way above ground, Sully is attacked by Moncada's men. Chloe and Nate become stuck in a trap reliant on another puzzle that Sully needs to solve to save them. Sully narrowly escapes his enemies, solving his half of the puzzle in just in time to save the two. As Chloe and Nate enter the final room, they find a map that indicates a second location in the Philippines, and that the real treasure was never brought back to Barcelona at all. Braddock now tracks them down, finding Chloe and Nate in the final room, ready to kill Nate. She commends Chloe for leading Nate into a room that's perfect for leaving a body. Nate is devastated, realizing he's been double-crossed. Forced into a corner, Chloe knocks him out with the butt of her own gun to stop him from being shot. She hands off the new map to Braddock, ensuring that she'll finish Nate herself. As Braddock leaves, 
Chloe fires a round off into the wall, leaving Nate alive to wake up eventually. Sully finds Nate out cold, and both are bitter that Chloe betrayed them. Nate asks how Sully found him, and Sully mentions he used the phone tracking app that he showed him. The two then check into an absolute dump of a motel somewhere in Barcelona to recuperate. They discuss Nate's brother and how Sully used to work with him. Sully tells Nate that Sam was killed in a shootout between them and Braddock and her men. Nate promises to finish what his brother started, maybe opening a museum exhibit in Sam's honor. He says that they'll earn the Drake name and be remembered for something incredible. Later that night, Nate is trying to look for doctors to get his head looked at. Nate then discovers that Chloe's still sharing locations with the both of them, and Sully says she forgot to disable the feature, like he would have. Nate becomes convinced that Chloe's still on their side. Despite their disagreement in motive, both agree to track Chloe down and tail her to get to Magellan's treasure. They find themselves at an airstrip as a cargo plane is loading up. Chloe, Braddock, and Moncada are all boarding the plane as well. Nate and Sully devise a scheme to board the plane, noticing a lovely red Mercedes-Benz in the parking lot. They also overhear Moncada mention how he needs his lucky car with him before they depart. We cut to the plane in the air. Chloe, Braddock, and Moncada are discussing a battle plan for uncovering the treasure in the Philippines. It is here in front of a dozen armed men that Braddock reveals Chloe to be a traitor. She mentions how she abandoned the ambush plan and likely saved Nate in the secret room. Moncada orders Braddock's men to kill Chloe, but Chloe takes Moncada as a hostage, her own weapon to his head. Braddock determines the losses of both are acceptable. Kill them both. We already have his money. No need to keep the dead weight hanging on. The mercenaries are split in obedience, unsure of who to listen to. In the commotion, Chloe throws Moncada to the wolves and retreats to the hangar bay in the back of the plane. In that very same hangar bay, Nate and Sully climb out of the trunk of the Mercedes-Benz. They hide near the back, hearing the tail end of Chloe's escape from Braddock and her men. They don't know that she's there, and she doesn't know that Nate and Sully are there, and Braddock is looking to shoot anything that moves. The mercenaries sweep the cargo hold, Braddock checking her corners. She taunts Chloe, trying to lure her out. Nate and Sully try to find parachutes in the hangar bay, as does Chloe, all still oblivious to each other. As Sully finds his parachute, Nate cannot resist confronting Braddock about the fate of his brother Sam. With the cargo doors opening for Chloe's escape, chaos ensues. Nate is being fired upon, Sully wants to get the hell out of there, Chloe is in hiding, pinned down. Nate attempts to release all of the cargo as a way to kill Braddock and her men, and pulls the parachute on one of the cargo crates. But the flying crates out of the back of the plane only end up taking out a few of them. Sully attempts to reach Nate, but a crate knocks him and Nate out of the plane. Nate manages to grab onto a dangling crate, since he has no parachute. Sully is not so lucky, and is forced to pull his cord over the middle of the ocean, out of the fight. Back inside the hangar bay, Chloe is forced out of hiding as more and more cargo flies out of the plane. Moncada and his laurel mercenaries now enter the cargo bay and spot her, and a gunfight ensues. She is able to take out most of them, but Moncada finds her out of ammo and corners her. She hides behind her remaining piece of cargo. He gives some hammy speech about how these treasures the right of his family, and he will prove his bloodline's greatness by recovering the billions of dollars of gold. No tube thief is going to stand in his way. Yada yada yada, standard villain stuff, says Chloe, and you, the listener. She grabs a parachute off of the bay wall and pulls the drop cord of her cargo crate cover, releasing its parachute. It goes flying at Mankata and nearly hits him. It misses, but this gives Chloe just enough time to dive into Mankata's flashy red Mercedes and start up the engine. She drives out of the hangar, nearly running him over, and he dives out of the way at the last second. Back outside, Nate has climbed his way back onto the plane. On the final cargo crate, he hears Braddock yell, Look out for the car. He is confused for a brief moment, wondering what car, before said car hits him and sends him flying to his presumed death. Now in their freefall, Chloe and Nate attempt to use her parachute, forced to hold on to one another a la the Get Smart movie. Except there are tears in her chute from diving through glass windows and being shot at, so they need a new plan. Chloe and Nate try to freefall maneuver themselves toward a falling cargo crate, knowing the crates have parachutes for airdropping. 
They grab on and wrap themselves in the crate netting before barely pulling the chute loose in time and slowing their descent. They get a brief moment of reprieve before crashing into the ocean. Now they drift at sea for a while with no land in sight. Meanwhile, the plane has had a rocky landing on the Philippian island, with tensions high for the rest of the flight. Upon reaching solid ground, the antagonists are at a crossroads, and Mankata and Braddock betray one another. Their respective loyal forces now turn the island containing the treasure into a complete war zone, neither content to let the other walk away with the gold, each hell-bent on getting it for themselves and themselves alone. Back at sea, Chloe and Nate discuss their reasons for wanting to pursue this treasure. Chloe delves into how she had always loved history and how she used to work for employers like Mankata all the time. She grew untrusting over time, given how many people become willing to kill one another as soon as something shiny comes between them. She then admits she couldn't bring herself to fully betray Nate and Sully, because Nate seemed like he was different. Chloe then warns him that his good behavior could accidentally rub off on Sully. She then asks about the ring, and Nate tells her about the sick Parvis Magnum meaning, greatness from small beginnings. He shares how he hopes to achieve something as a way to honor his brother who was killed by Braddock. Chloe, hesitant, mentions that Nate doesn't have the whole story about Sam. She tells him about how she and Sam were stealing Magellan's notebook, with Sully as their getaway driver. Things went south when they got to the notebook, and Chloe made it back to the van, but Sam was pinned down inside. Chloe wanted to go back and save him, but Sully said they had what they needed, and they drove off. She hasn't fully trusted Sully since, but thought Nate deserved better and stuck around for his sake. Nate accepts this, but is clearly upset. Just then, the two notice the orange glowing lights of civilization on an island in the distance. It puts a pin in the conversation about Sam for now. They wash ashore to a tropical resort and immediately borrow someone's phone to get a map and figure out where they are. From there, they chart a course, renting a boat from the resort using Chloe's Moncada Corporation company card. They take off toward the uninhabited island where the treasure will be found, with two separate factions waiting for them there. Sully, who was able to safely parachute onto the island, has been laying low and sneaking around the camps of both factions of mercenaries. He sneaks into a camp at night to a tent where he finds a map of the island. Various dig sites are marked on Braddock's faction's map. He hears the sound of a gun safety turning off, and thinking he's trapped by Joe Braddock, he makes some smart-ass sleazy remarks to her. But instead, he turns around to find Nate and Chloe waiting for him, with Nate aiming his gun at Sully, demanding to know what happened to Sam. Sully explains, his story matching up with what Chloe said. He said he felt awful about leaving Sam, but if he and Chloe went back for him, they were as good as dead too. Not a day goes by where he's not haunted about what happened to Sam, and how he wished he'd done something differently and he had hoped that maybe helping Nate out and giving him an opportunity to find this treasure would be a way to make amends with himself for what he did. Nate calms down and lowers his weapon. The trio now look at the map of the dig site together, comparing it to the map of the dig sites that Mankata's men have been trying, courtesy of Sully's phone. They notice all of the dig sites are inland, which doesn't really make sense considering that sailors hid this treasure. They'd likely be wanting somewhere concealed, near water, to make off with the treasure in a hurry whenever they got a chance. Using references in Magellan's notebook, they recognize a particular inlet from a sketch on one of the pages, figuring the treasure must be kept there. Of course, all of this commotion and excitement creates some noise, which alerts the guards of the camp. The trio has to make an escape through the base, but find their way out and hide in the jungle. Back in the camp, Braddock is reported to, her officer saying that the men still have eyes on the three. She orders them to keep their distance, but follow. Those three know where they're headed, so they'll just get tailed. She radios that all of her forces withdraw and mobilize to follow her and the main group. The next morning, Mankata realizes he has no reports from his men about firefights or conflict of any kind. He also receives word that Chloe Fraser's card has been used at a nearby island resort. He orders his team to mobilize, recognizing that Braddock's team must know where the treasure is, or at least be in pursuit of Chloe. He orders all of his men to track any movements from the known dig sites and triangulate where Braddock is headed from there. The stage is set for an eventual three-way standoff at the final resting place of Magellan's treasure. 
Nate, Sully, and Chloe find the location of the abandoned treasure, but they also come across a surprising amount of skeletons along the way. In fact, as they make their way into the collapsed cave once connected to the open ocean, it seems to be a trail of centuries-old bodies leading inside. Caverns with rotting bones, bloodied swords rusted over. They press on, finding an open, watery pit where the two ships from Magellan's voyage lie, beached and overgrown with moss and foliage from centuries of neglect. They also see a hole in the top of the cavern, from where repelling ropes are being thrown down as I speak. Unarmed and not ready to confront Braddock or Mikata's men, they all stow away aboard the ships down below their hulls. Here they find more skeletons, swords plunged into their chests, as bony fingers cling to gold coins and statues. Back outside, Braddock and her men have been making the preparations to airlift the ships out of the cave and return them to a boat they have waiting offshore. They secure the boats but are given communication from Mankata. Braddock and Mankata eventually renew their alliance, with both of their forces too depleted to successfully extract both of the boats alone. They reach a temporary accord, each party getting one of the two ships to themselves. Now working together again, Mankata and Braddock call in the high-capacity payload helicopters and begin airlifting the ships off of the island. Their men, along with themselves, fly back aboard the two ships. Mankata and Braddock are on the deck together. Below deck, their men secure and inventory the gold. A group of them uncover Nate, Sully, and Chloe, but are quickly taken out. Our trio secures weapons, ready to fight back as needed. Nate even finds himself a nice pistol holster to throw over his shoulders. They agree that they'll have to fight their way out regardless of how long they end up waiting, and elect to storm the deck now instead. Nate comments that he's always wanted to stage a mutiny, and they're off. The group engages in a shootout above deck. They buy Sully enough time to ascend one of the loading cables and get to one of the helicopters carrying the ships, and he will hopefully be able to pilot them out. We now realize that Braddock and Mankata are on the second boat, and we are watching the chaos ensue on the first boat with Nate and Chloe. Mankata goes absolutely nuts, declaring that he needs all of the treasure, and will be unable to enjoy a single cent of his riches knowing that any of those greedy thieves are alive. If we're doing the Rafe analog for Mankata, I figure we should use his best lines too. The soldiers aboard his ship harpoon the ship containing Nate, Sully, and Chloe, and the two flying pirate ships crash into one another, tangling each other up and getting caught in their loading straps of the helicopters. It's complete catastrophe, with Braddock and Mankata determined to kill Nate, Sully, and Chloe. Sully has now made his way up to the helicopter, and manages to take control of the cockpit. He works to separate their ship from the other, but without any success, considering how tangled up they are. The two-chopper, two-ship combo continues spiraling out of control through a rocky archipelago of hazards big enough to send either ship sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Nate and Braddock fight, with her having an easy upper hand. He's in a losing battle with the trained combatant, while Chloe is pinned down by gunfire from Ankata and the mercenaries. Eventually, the second helicopter is spun directly into a giant rock formation, destroying it along with half of the ship it's carrying. Nate and Braddock are sent flying, their ship bearing the brunt of the impact. Unable to support the two ships alone, Sully's chopper crash lands them in the ocean, using the water's buoyancy to buy himself some time. Below deck of one of the ships, Nate collects himself inside the sinking wreckage. He is immediately attacked and choked by Braddock, who is half-tangled in rope from the sinking ship's interior. As he fights to free himself, Braddock taunts Nate about meeting the same fate as Sam, calling both of them pathetic nobodies, nothing more than tally marks on a long list of people in her way that she's gotten rid of with ease. Nate manages to kick himself free, noticing the rope on Braddock is also tangled onto a cannon. He shoves the cannon off the ship out of a blown open hole, and it plunges down through the water. He tells Braddock that Sam sends his regards before she is dragged down with the cannon via the rope. Nate climbs out from inside the sinking ship and makes it over to the mostly intact second ship. The first ship by now has completely sunk, and Sully is able to begin ascending in his helicopter again. Below, on the ship that's intact, Nate finds Chloe unconscious, thrown below deck. He helps her awake, only to be greeted by Mankata with a rusty sword. 
The two try to tell Mankata that they can all still walk away with some of the treasure, or he can even just let them go and have the rest of it. Mankata ends up ranting about spending his entire life seeking this treasure, and that he's not going to share the glory with anyone now that he's so close. Blood is pouring out of his forehead, he's probably concussed, and is completely irrational. He's not letting them go, especially not Chloe for having betrayed him. He thanks Nate for dealing with Braddock, promising that he'll make his death quick. He attacks the two of them, with Nate and Chloe attempting to retreat to the top of the ship, but both are exhausted and visibly injured. Nate manages to grab a sword of his own as they make their way to the deck, and now above deck, they see Sully has gotten them high into the air again. Nate gets Chloe to begin her climb to the helicopter, promising to deal with Mankata. He holds his own in a sword fight, but it's definitely not pretty. He's cut up more than a few times, and begins to grow weak. Mankata calls Nate a shitty swordsman, to which Nate responds that at least he's a good thief, flashing some gold he had grabbed from the ship and stuffed into one of his pockets. Mankata is absolutely furious as Nate pelts him in the forehead with the gold bar, and rushes at him. Nate disarms Mankata and is able to stab him, and pins him to the mast of the ship with the same sword. Nate retreats, beginning his own climb and shouting at Chloe to tell Sully to release the ship. Chloe implores Sully, who seems unable to press the button. He's frozen, fixated on the gold inside that ship that would be lost if he lets go. But he sees Nate struggling to climb up to the helicopter and manages to snap out of it. Just as Mankata frees himself from being impaled, Nate is nearly at the chopper. Sully releases the carrying mechanism, the ship drops from the sky with Mankata on it, and Nate jumps at the last second for the chopper. He is pulled up by both Sully and Chloe, all of them relieved, choosing each other over the gold and having finally escaped the chaos of Magellan's treasure. The ship impacts the water and immediately splinters apart. It's sinking and fast. A desperate and delusional Mankata is below deck, trying to grab any gold that he can find, unable to let go of his life's pursuit. Water begins to fill the cabin of the ship as he clings to whatever he can carry and tries to escape with it. It's unclear what happens beyond this. In the distance, back on a cargo vessel that was intended to receive the two ships, a woman sets down a set of binoculars in frustration. A soldier runs over to her, informing them that they have lost contact with Captain Braddock. He informs the woman that this makes her the acting commander of Shoreline. He says, Orders, Lieutenant Ross? She comments that they're getting as far away from here as possible before any government agencies show up, and that it's a good thing that they charge these treasure-hunting types up front. Back in the helicopter, Nate asks Chloe if the resort they washed up at earlier has a spa. She believes it did, and Nate, Sully, and Chloe all agree for a lovely spa day as the helicopter flies off into the sunset. Sully questions how they will afford the resort, considering their payday is at the bottom of the ocean. Nate mentions he managed to grab a bunch of gold pieces, shoving them in his pockets. There's a joke about cargo pants in there somewhere, I'm sure. Sully then apologizes to Nate about not being able to recover the treasure for Sam, and Nate tells him not to worry about it. He says finding the treasure itself was more than enough, and surviving an encounter with an entire army of crazed mercenaries is pretty great too. He says Sam would have been proud of what they'd accomplished, and that that's enough for him. The end. I reckon about 20% higher on Rotten Tomatoes, and with ambiguous potential returning villains. The main changes from the movie were as follows. I made Sully much less of a greedy asshole, gave him more of a sympathetic character arc, and set up his relationship as a pseudo-father figure for Nate. I made Chloe more understandable and less greedy in the movie, with a more complex line of betrayal and loyalty. She is obviously still out for herself, but is good-hearted and will not be actively terrible. The antagonists have slightly more fleshed-out motivations, and become better vehicles for delivering the theme of the movie, as well as being foils for the heroes. Neither Mankata or Braddock can let go of their greed and selfishness, and it costs them. They fall victim to the same vices that made Magellan's crew tear each other apart centuries ago. I also threw in a small reference to Nadine Ross, a character from the games, because why not? Hopefully this is perceived as an improvement from the film that actually came out, as it has actual arcs and themes for the characters in it. There's my changes. Hope you enjoyed it. 
the post-credit scene teasing Sam's survival and Nate's next adventure can stay in as is, I'm sure.